Hey, hey guys, guys. Welcome, welcome to the, the life. life. I'm Joey. And I'm Rere. And together we have created this platform to allow us to raise awareness of different experiences that are related to the effects of mental health in our everyday life. And on our first episode, we'll be discussing the impact of mental health illness that has been driven by the current global pandemic. Okay. So basically looking at that topic, I think there's so many different um different aspects that we can all um relate to because obviously this is a global pandemic that's really affected quite a lot of us. Um and it's you know it's regardless of which country you're in right now, I think so many people are taking measures because the virus has affected someone somehow. So basically, in today's topic, we're mainly just going to be addressing some of the different experiences that we have faced. And um, Ray Ray will actually tell us as well about her experience um, living in the United Kingdom and like the different measures that have that she's experienced for somebody who doesn't who didn't who, who wasn't working during the lockdown. And I'll actually share as well my experience and the different aspects of anxiety that I faced even though I was still going to work so I don't know like I don't know maybe we should start with you Ray Ray like how did you feel initially when the whole COVID I think when, thing I think when you start I think when you start from the beginning because yeah. it started off as like just a thing about China yeah like, yeah yeah no one took it serious which is like it's a China thing yeah yeah and I remember you used to watch like the news and you just be like Oh, it's not gonna get us. It's not yeah. gonna get us. It's not yeah. gonna get us. I remember even us like in February, we all went on holiday because yeah, I we went didn't to think... Cyprus. <laughs> we didn't. We went to um Morocco. Like you wouldn't think. Like back then, I wouldn't have thought we'll be here today. Yeah, hundred percent. That's like the mad part about it. Yeah, honestly, I think I feel I I can actually echo the same because I remember when this was first started or i don't know when this first um initiated it just sounded like one of those simple flus that's just happening in wuhan yep and i never thought it would actually affect the united kingdom like this it was actually i think the fact that it's actually covid-19 as well you would sort of think it sort of shows how it started a long time ago before we, even knew Be- before we even knew it. We only kind of knew about it in 2020, but actually a lot of, um, most of it had actually started happening in 2019, apparently. Yep. And we're like one of like the main countries as well affected, like yeah. the United Kingdom. Yeah, 100%. And I think, again, <laughs> we really did underestimate it. We'd never realised that, Facts. you know, this was, this was going to be happening. But, um... At the end of the day, it's really affected so many people. And I think so day-to-day many. life in the United Kingdom has changed drastically as well. Like, so many people have lost jobs. So many people have, even though they're still going to work, they've been affected in different ways as well. Like, family, family dynamics. Like, yeah. home dynamics. Like, it's crazy how, like... I think I... Because I quarantined, like, when the it hit the UK, yeah. I quarantined straight away. I never left the house and then one day I left the house and you can just see how like somebody will cross the road as soon as they see you people are wearing masks people don't want to touch what things that you've touched like mm. how crazy that's how crazy it become it became yeah and I think what really sort of affected me the most is we actually didn't know what we were dealing with as such it was not very evident initially to the extent where it's like you're washing your hands so many times a day, you're doing this, but you don't even know if that's actually what you should be doing. You don't even know if that's actually going to work because I actually am a nurse and I've, I I continue to work. 
um, even during the, the, the pandemic. But I actually remember saying to one of my colleagues, I feel like I'm trying my best to wash my hands, to do this, to do that. But still, I'm, you know, I'm not prone to it at all. And that's also because we were still learning about COVID. Mm-hmm. Nobody knew about it. It's very different to... You know, if um, I don't know if there was a if there was a a global effect of mm-hmm. HIV, for example, people would kind of know how to go about it because you know it's it's been living for so many years. So, um, what do you think about like the um health um medical staffs and all those that were coming around saying, giving us different information that like now it's been proven to be false. So, like for example. People were coming out saying black people can't get it. Black people are not prone to it. Yeah. And how like if you drink, um, if you have um, bleach. bleach and not not drinking any uh, anti-inflammatory uh, medicines. Yeah. Like yeah. that will make it worse. Mm. What do you think of people that were saying that that are now turning around and telling us actually this is the real fact? Yeah, I think. What was the point of saying that in the beginning? Honestly, yeah, I think I've I've heard quite a few of um of those theories and comments where people have kind of just um made things up in their own heads, and it's just such a shame to to see that um it's it's one of those um one of those um health effects that has really just taken a massive toll on everybody from we've seen doctors um you know left right and center trying their best to just work with what they have and i just think it's such a shame because at that time when it was first a hit in the united kingdom i remember just thinking so we're in this pandemic and we're hearing lots of different things on on the tv it was just one of those times where anything you would hear that you would think would cure it you would go for it for example mm-hmm. I, well, I didn't do the bleach thing even though donald trump said it <laughs> i never went for that but i definitely i don't know if anyone actually believed that one i think there were quite a few people that actually did try it you know you'll be very surprised to know i don't know if it happened in the uk but i know in the united states there was a few stories about how people actually um you know tested it yeah. out and it was it was obviously not I mean, it's def- it's definitely a common common sense thing as well, but um, yeah, there was such a big um, a big uh effect from the virus to the extent where I remember I used to boil a lot of lemons and ginger yeah. and honey and just try and see if this would work. And I even saw on WhatsApp groups as well there were so many little messages going around floating so like in the circulate. African community. Yeah, a lot in the African community where people would be sort of sharing different things that they thought would work. Like, and I heard a lot about eating garlic, eating garlic, turmeric, turmeric. That one was big. That was the one was kind kind of was big here because I remember like my mom would be like boil this boil that boil that make sure you drink it every single day yeah make sure you, you avoid cold drinks only drink hot drinks yeah yeah that's the only way to, and then she said she was coming up with theories as well so yeah and actually i actually remember receiving a a whatsapp text as well where somebody said to me if you drink um water with salt if you actually drink a lot of, if you eat salt, a lot of salt in terms of if you put salt in your hot drinks, salt in whatever, it will, apparently the virus doesn't stay, doesn't survive with salt. So I was there boiling lots of water, putting salt in it, just trying to, to drink it. And I think it was, 
as much as I wanted to, um, I didn't, I didn't actually want the virus to affect me as such, mm-hmm. but it was more about wanting to be reassured, wanting to be, I think a lot of anxieties was, were brought up oh, by yeah. the virus where you just sort of think, um, you know, am I going to make it or not? And I think from my perspective as well, for somebody who continued to go to work, even during the, the peak period of the, mm-hmm. the pandemic, it was just like a, you know, a, a big wake up call because I think we, we sort of really underestimated life as well because I wasn't sure if I was going to be affected by the virus. And I think that's what my biggest worry was. I had, um, I have friends as well. I don't know if it's the same for you, Ray Ray, where you, you probably weren't going to work at the time. No, me, um, I think my anxiety was so bad that I felt safe by staying at home because Again, the uncertainty of like, because I work in a general hospital, so like patients are gonna come in, patients with corona are gonna come in, and you don't know who ha- in the beginning you didn't even know who had it mm. because some people were saying like a cough is a normal cough, but then mm. when we're mm. hearing that a cough was one of the main, um, the main symptoms, mm-hmm. you hear a cough and you're like, uh oh, yeah, you're dealing with a patient and the patient coughs and you're like, uh oh. So I think for me, that's when my anxiety started kicking in. I was like, nah, I can't do it. Mm-hmm. I'd rather stay, stay at home, at home yeah, and... Yeah. yeah, just stay at home. Yeah. So but I think it's that... that thing it, for me. I think I felt safer at home. Yeah, yeah. But I think it's also that uncertainty of whether you were still going to have your job even after exactly. the virus. Exactly. Yeah. I think uh, we were told, like, um, I think after three months, mm-hmm. if you don't go to work mm-hmm. after after three months... Mm-hmm then there's a possibility that you will lose your job. Yeah, yeah. And I think for me as well, because on the other side, or I'm obviously on a very different side of the spectrum, but for me, my um, concern was based on, you know, even though I'm guaranteed that I will still have this job because I work in the NHS, I work in the National Health Service, my, I was quite guaranteed that I would have the job, but I was more worried about actually contracting the virus just because of the amount of exposure that I had. Mm -hmm. And very recently I had an antibody test and, you know, I, it came back positive for antibodies, but there's still that, um, there's still that uncertainty of whether you can still catch the virus again. And I think with so much evidence um, coming out every single day, mm. it's just so much of a hit and miss situation, you know? So but do you believe that with this whole... Cause I, don't, I, I don't buy it with this whole antibodies, the whole thing of like, um, once you've gotten it, you, you won't get it again. I don't believe it because I don't know. I didn't get my antibody test or anything, but I do think I might have had it at some point because I had some of the symptoms for like, two weeks mm-hmm. but at the same time it's like because i've not had my antibodies test i didn't get the coronavirus test so it's like i know i don't know if i've had yeah. it or if i haven't yeah but what if i then get it but i had it yeah um i don't know actually because for me i had um i had a feeling that i definitely must have contracted it because yeah. i mean from work from <laughs> different people i i had a feeling that i i had contracted it but um um, I never actually had the COVID test, the actual nasopharyngeal mm-hmm. and throat swab. I never got that, but I had the antibody test and this was like way, way after COVID was peaking. Mm-hmm. So I definitely know, I feel in myself, I definitely feel like I've had it at some point. I definitely had it. 
But um, yeah, it was definitely one of those situations where there was just so much uncertainty, especially at work. Um, I remember going into work as well and there was just a shortage of PPE. And I think, oh, yeah, um, you know, one. personal protective equipment was such a big problem even in general hospitals. I know, because I remember one of like, the f- like, wasn't at the peak at the time, because that's when I was still working. Mm-hmm. And you'd come in and the um the matrons, the bosses, basically, they would tell you, just wash your hands regularly. But then at the same time, it's like, any patient that's coming in is not being tested for coronavirus. So we don't know who we're dealing with yeah. anyway. Yeah. And you're telling us just washing our hands is enough. Yeah. Like seriously, but I guess I I guess from their perspective as well, it's you know going back to my point about this is a new thing that we don't know, and I think from history as well, there's been another corona, there's been uh another COVID before in the previous years, but it wasn't actually flu based. But I think for this one, it's 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 um it's it's actually brand new where you don't actually know a basis of it you don't know how it's treated you so don't what, know so the would, symptoms so what would you think make taking like more precaution than like you know how they say we are safe than sorry yeah do you think they should have taken more precaution even like what's his name boris johnson like he took so long to just put us on lockdown by the time he put us on lockdown we were already like impacted badly yeah and I think, again, that also goes back to my original point about how we didn't know what we were dealing with. Oh, we yeah. just had a problem in front of us, but because nobody had had it before, you can't actually use history to no, fix but, it. But we had evidence. China, Italy, we had evidence. We had evidence to take precautions. But what did we do? Nothing. Like, um... So many people were telling um, Boris Johnson to put the thing on lockdown. But he took so long. He was just like, we'll see what's going to happen first. Let's see what happens first. Basically, waiting for more people to die before you make thingy. Like, again, I'm saying, better safe than sorry. Go on lockdown. Prevent it rather than dealing with it. Like, do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, I guess that would have been... Uh, I think a lot of people would have thought that. And I would have thought... I actually thought that as well. I was thinking, well, why are we still not in lockdown? And look at Italy. And I actually remember watching a BBC documentary from an Ita- Italian doctor. Oh, yeah. And they basically showcased their experience on a daily, you know, daily basis and how they were dealing with COVID not. patients and everything. And I remember one of the doctors actually said to the camera, he was like... I think he was speaking to the United Kingdom and he said, it's coming and you was, you're going to see what it's like, you know, once you, you know, it gets there. And I think the way it really affected a lot of people in Italy was probably a very good, um, a very good example. However, looking at our own economy in the United Kingdom as well, would we say that our economy w- would um survive with everybody on lockdown? Because generally speaking, that's what we need to keep going we need a strong healthy economy but i I feel like it's never too late to rebuild Mm. so Mm. i feel like even if like we had gone on lockdown a lot earlier regardless what's going to happen anyway the economic the economic is gonna fall and we're gonna have to rebuild it so regardless of when it had happened I think it would have affected us a lot more though if we had um if, if even in rebuilding it if we hadn't had enough um sustainability because 
again, it's just one of those situations that was just such a hit and miss situation because people's finances were greatly affected as well, especially those that were not working. And I think, I mean, I was working, so I never really faced that. But I remember there were people who were talking about, um, you know, there were people who had to, I think on the government website, there was different schemes and different support um, support services that they were offering. Um, but it was obviously for a very limited amount of time. And I just, I don't know, I never got the finances because obviously I was working. But I don't know if um, those finances were even sustainable. You know, were they enough for people? Did they, or was it just living life on a budget because you're not really going out that much? You're not doing anything as well. Um, being one of the people that are at home and living off the government, um, I would say it's just enough for you to live, for, so enough to pay your bills, enough for you to buy food to eat. Because mm. at, at the end of the day, you're not really doing much. You're not really spending your money on anything other than those things. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what they just basically were doing to give you money to be able to live through the pandemic. So yeah. your bills, your food, um, maybe to get a bus to the store or something like that. Yeah, but just I, to get by. Yeah, it's literally just to get by, like, literally. Mm-hmm. There is no spare money. There is no, like, I want to eat takeaway today. Like, there's... You don't... It's not. It wasn't. Yeah. It isn't. It's living on a budget. <laughs> literally living on a budget. Yeah, and I think another thing that really, really changed was a lot of the home life. It had a mm-hmm. sort of, like, a... I don't know whether to say positive and negative aspects, because I think I... When I was looking through and researching, a lot of people said, you know... Home life has improved because families are together now a lot more and there's not much, um, there's not, there's not much, um, you know, there's, there's more togetherness and there's more bonding and, you know, mom, dad, kids are at home all the time because schools even got closed, you know, but, um, I think on the other end of the spectrum, we also saw a a rise in domestic violence issues. And it's just and like broken relationships. Yeah, broken relationships. A lot of broken relationships. Um, a lot of um, I think, domestic violence. Yeah, situations. I think it's like um when people are working is like you don't spend twenty four seven together, mm-hmm. and there's times you're spending you're waking up together, you're going to sleep together, you're eating together. So everything was together. I think that's when you start to feel someone's annoyance <laughs> or someone's presence a lot more. Yeah. And you get to learn certain things that you didn't learn when you're only spending 12 hours together or maybe eight hours together because you work. And then when you come back from work, sometimes you're doing your own thing. Whereas now everything was basically doing things together. Yeah, 24 hours around 24 the clock. 24 hours around yeah. the clock. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's why. Yeah, and I think um the rise in in the domestic violence cases... What do you think that is? I don't know, really. I don't know if it's if it's to do with what you've just said, the fact that there was just more people at home. But um, the, it's just the rise of it was shocking because it even reached the news. It reached the news headlines that there's a virus, that, that there's, a, there's a rise in the violence cases that um, are happening in homes. Do you think, since we're all about mental health, do you think it was something to link with mental health? Like, I think people's um mental state changed during this whole pandemic it's really mm. when you're staying at home when you can't really leave that much yeah your yeah. mental health goes in different direction direction yeah um i think i can actually concur with that really because um 100 percent. i think being somebody who works in the mental health field as well mm-hmm. it's it's we've seen a lot of uh, mental illnesses sort of 
over the years and i think um in this in this um in this time during a pandemic people were sort of affected mentally but some of them didn't even realize it you know because you've got so many things going on you don't know if you're going to be awake if you're going to be alive tomorrow because there were so many deaths as well people died without yeah. even expecting to die and i think people were not just uh worried about their own lives you have to think about your family your friends are they safe are you safe mm-hmm. like imagine how much that like could take on a person yeah yeah so much of a toll really because you know that's it's just you know there's there's so much uncertainty and so much anxiety towards the fact of coronavirus and um like i said you don't even know if you're going to be awake i remember saying to one of my colleagues the other time when it was sort of the peak of the covid um i was saying to my colleague i'm working all these shifts i'm mm-hmm. coming to work all the time because i'm a i'm a frontline worker yeah but i don't even know if i'm going to be alive next month to to actually you know i'm working but i don't know if i'm going to be alive next month or by the time payday comes am i even going to be alive to do this because there was just so much uncertainty around the world and i think you know this thing wasn't just affecting a small minority it was affecting everybody and we're talking people in different countries people in the states people Mm. in um, asian countries people in african countries and you know i think some countries more than others but definitely we've seen that it's a it's a rising issue that has affected the whole globe um i think like uh, touching on like the coronavirus itself people like every day there was a new symptom Mm -hmm. so it's like you never knew like what you if you had it or not like the symptoms that you had Mm -hmm. another thing is i was hearing that people are just waking up dead like they had a cough the night before and then all of a sudden they're dead or uh, they had high temperature and then all of a sudden they woke up dead. Like, yeah. And you're just like, if I go to bed. I remember actually, I actually did have a breakdown once. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> because I remember I literally just coughed like probably like an hour and I was like, wait a minute. Ain't this like part of it? Mm-hmm. And then I remember just like, oh no. What if I'm one of those people that wake up dead? Like what if I'm yeah. one of those people that yeah. I wake up in the morning and I can't speak anymore. I can't get up anymore. Because yeah. we say like or your body will feel like you've been in a car crash and exactly, all that jazz. Yeah. And I think that's that's exactly what um the issue was as well. A medical help. Mm-hmm. There was no, okay, I'll go to the, to the hospital. Of which it was there. Mm-hmm. But then I think it was more like a, there was such a limit and such a, you know, um a, a lack of, support in terms of you had you were mainly redirected to the government website Mm -hmm. or you were redirected to the nhs website to seek help and then it would it would obviously tell you you know um are you experiencing a b and c exactly Um, just tick boxes and yeah tell you what to do and then it would be things like stay at home for seven days or 14 days or whatever there was no okay i'm going to the hospital i'll get medication and Mm -hmm. it'll be over it was we were dealing with such a big disease such a big pandemic that was really we were sort of going um by by it really we were letting it lead us because we didn't know we didn't know anything like i said before it's not something that you can refer to and say oh well you know in 20 in 1983 when this happened they did this and they did that and this is what worked and this is what helped and we're just experiencing the same thing again. So let's do the same. It was a, we've never had it before. This is the very first time we've had it. 
Now let's work with what we have. And then even if you're working with what you have, it's like you don't know if you're doing the right thing as well. Exactly. Are you increasing the virus or are you making it worse? Mm-hmm. Are you are you helping yourself or are you just making situations worse for yourself? Exactly. So like for like the patient, like everything was experimental. Yeah. Everything yeah. was experimental. Like I feel like I feel bad for like all the like nurses and doctors that went through like that to be in the front line because it's like you don't know how many like let's say like today you wake up you don't know how many patients you're gonna deal with that have corona and then you don't know by the end of your shift how many people you're gonna have left from those people that you're dealing with yeah yeah 100 percent. it's just it was sort of a hit and miss it was just by the day you know just going with it and seeing winging it really wing it if you are still there okay great but there was just so many people that were dying and so much experimental stuff that didn't even you didn't even know if that was helping or not, you know. Um, so, yeah, so many people were really affected. And I think the lack of travel as well. I think for those who were not living with their families, oh, yeah. there was that situation where you couldn't actually go anywhere. Um, and I think it must have really affected those who had loved ones that were in different cities see. and, you know, that they couldn't actually see them. And thank God for, you know, FaceTime and like and phones. Phones and technology because a lot of people wouldn't have seen their families Imagine. at all. They wouldn't have seen their families. Even hearing from them. Yeah, yeah. You don't even know if they're okay. Exactly. And I think that can really affect somebody's mental health as well. You know, that that feeling of being alone that feeling of not um of worry because yeah. you're constantly worried about the others you don't even know you know how they're doing or you don't know how to help and it just begins to be uh, uh an ongoing cycle really um yeah so um we've talked about um well our experiences during um the coronavirus pandemic mm-hmm. and also like things that the government has done to kind of help people out okay. but in regards to mental health, I don't know. I haven't really seen anything. Because I feel like, yes, we're, we're helped to, if you had coronavirus. But what about those people that were in their homes that maybe did get symptoms? Or maybe even if you didn't have symptoms, like, in terms of mental health. Mm-hmm. How come, like, the government, let's say, for example, there wasn't any help offered? Like, there isn't any or much yeah, it just seems like it's one of those topics that's very stigmatized and a lot of people don't really um it it takes a big, you know, it takes a lot of confidence and a lot of um um it takes a lot really for somebody to step out and say, you know what, I think I'm struggling. You know, and I think not everybody realizes that they're struggling until sometimes if you're unlucky, it's when it's too late, mm. that's when you realize, oh I've been struggling this strong this long. Yeah, like I just read uh, recently about um some lab uh, this guy from Love Island, his brother, mm-hmm. who uh, who died uh, from mental health mm-hmm. illness recently is all like probably like a week ago now, mm-hmm. and it's like that was too late then. Yeah. He actually ended to a point where he's uh, committed suicide. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's you know that's that's a very delayed um realization mm-hmm. really, where you don't um actually know. But um, you know, it's 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 like everybody really needed support, even if it was just c- better communication with others, mm-hmm. and being able to just be reassured. And I think that's what was lacking the reassurance because it's like 
the people who were supposed to be reassuring us didn't know as well. Didn't know what they needed reassurance. At one point, I think our prime minister was in the hospital. Yeah. So it's like when you're technically your your national leader is in the hospital, and you you know what more you you know you just think yeah. okay so where's the hope you know but I think we did see um the good thing as well is we did see him recover and we did see his mm-hmm. son being born and they recovered um you know with no other issues which is what we've you know we like to see that we really do and i think that was reassuring but i think going back to what you said about the lack of support for mental health was mm-hmm. i really saw it especially when i was looking through the bbc news or looking through different news conglomerates or news mm-hmm. platforms where it was all just the negatives about covid it was all about the deaths. The, exactly. There was always a toll. There was always a number. And it was always this thing about the number is rising every single day. The number is rising by, you know, every single two hours or whatever. But we never actually heard much. about. There was not a lot of promotion or advertising about the people who had successfully recovered. Exactly. There was just more about the deaths, more about who's been affected, more about who hasn't recovered. It was never really about you know people promoting recovering. it in a you know trying to just positively reassure people and i think that really did um, affect a lot of people because you know of course your anxiety is going to go up you know you're worried yeah and think another thing um like uh, on the reassuring as well is the fact that every day there was a new thing mm-hmm. so it's like these people that are supposed to reassure us like these doctors these um mps and all that all those people mm-hmm. They were, they didn't know anything as well. It's like they were coming up with new things. They were learning as we were learning as well. So it's like, we kind of didn't have anybody to like really kind of tell us like, you're going to be okay. Yeah. Whereas it was literally like, we're learning at the same time. We don't know if we're going to be okay. We don't know how this thing, like literally it was a lot of, I don't, we don't know. We don't know. We don't know. Yeah. 100%. And I think honestly, when we then look at, um, on a, from a national perspective in the United Kingdom, I think we've got up to almost 50k 50,000 people that have died from mm. covid and i think it's you know that's a big number that is a massive number and i think um you know there were so many the other issue as well that i was just going to say is you know when people lost loved ones during the pandemic mm. the actual closure process or the bereavement process or the it? the funeral process as well like i think there was a limited number of how many people could come to the mm-hmm. funeral i think the the way things were done was just very different to the usual to the norm and i think that that really affected people as well i mean if you've got a loved one who has passed away during i mean because of covid you know, and you're sort of not really involved in the whole exactly. process because, you know, you're trying to keep yourself safe. And I think there's even a time where people weren't visiting each other in yeah, their yeah, homes. Yeah, you wasn't allowed. As soon as you're in hospital, like, you were not allowed to come near them. Yeah. The only thing, the only way you could communicate with them was through the phone. But it's like, if someone is, like, really sick, how are they really going to communicate with, with you? Yeah. And, like, yeah. that... that, that there was parents with kids in hospital and you're like, that's your child, fam. Mm-hmm. You want to yeah. be holding their hands. You want to, you know, tell them that they're okay. You want to, even like, you can't even say goodbye to them. Yeah. People couldn't be able to say goodbye to their loved ones. They just hear a phone call, oh, by the way, he's passed on or she's exactly. passed on. Yeah, and I think there was such a, even for those that were self-isolating that had been affected by it, mm. um, there was a thing of, you know, 
people wouldn't actually come into the house. They would actually, if they needed anything or if they had something for you, they would leave it outside, outside. and then you would get it. And then the, there was just so much um division in terms of there was no intimacy anymore. There was lack of, you know, just that f- closeness with family. Um, and I think, you know, you like now there's no hugs going on because of COVID. People were elbowing oh, each other. Oh, and it's just, <laughs> everything changed. No handshakes, you know. But um, it's it's really such a shame when we look back at the aftermath of COVID and how it really, really affected people. Yeah, like, have you been to the mall and you have to, like, walk? You can only walk in one direction. You can't... Oh walk to get yeah like oh it's oh my like, I got, like the first time i walked in i actually i actually got emotional i was like it's crazy how the world has got to like yeah yeah it's, and everyone's wearing a mask yeah now you know? can't put your, your your makeup and look pretty out there you can't <laughs> yeah. you gotta do cover out with him with them yeah with i think mask. um i was always um going to work as well i was always one of those people who really liked to put makeup on yeah. every single time and i think <laughs> i've always had a bit of um I don't know whether to to say just a bit of um um I don't know what to call it where I always wanted to make sure I had makeup on my face because yeah. I didn't want to have that presentation of Same. just looking yeah I don't know looking mm-hmm. like I just come out of bed so I always <laughs> tried to make sure I look presentable to make sure I look professional to make sure I look you know tidy yeah. and when covid came I had to wear my mask and then I thought Mm, maybe I should stop, stop wearing, wearing makeup. makeup. <laughs> and then I stopped actually. I stopped for a good, I think a good month or a good four weeks or so, where I wasn't coming into work with makeup. And I was, you know, I ha- I I actually heard loads of comments and different like, oh my god, we have never seen you with make without makeup before, or like you look a bit different without makeup. And it's just like, oh, I wish I could put it on again, you know. Mm. And I, although people did, some did tell me, you know what. It doesn't even matter. Yeah. Just, you know, you're still you're still the same. But I really... I personally missed that. Because I love makeup. I love... um, You know, I used to wake up early as well to go to work. Just to put my makeup <laughs> on. You know, so that was really um an effect of uh, of COVID. Um, just the fact that people had lost their... The usual way of greeting mm. each other. The usual way of life and everything. And I think even school kids as well i think they i'm quite worried about them because you know there was such a strong reliance on homeschooling now you know and i've got siblings and it's like they haven't been in school since march and now they're going back in september so that's like a good four months or so of them not actually being in education even though they are in education at home but you know it's it's, the dynamic is very different because when you're in a classroom and when you're at home it's you know it's very different you've got distractions at home Um, you've got yeah because i remember i had my uh, little sisters here Mm -hmm. for two weeks and it's like they're sitting there they're doing what they've been taught to do by the teachers because everything was online Mm -hmm. but it's like they didn't take it that serious do you know what i mean we're at home it's like yeah i can choose to do whatever i want if I want to go play, then come back and do it. And then play, then come and do it. I can do it. And then it's like, are you really, are they really learning something? Or are they just doing it? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, everything moved to online, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. We had Microsoft Teams and Zoom and, you know, all these things. And I think even... Um, even when uh, kids had to, obviously, have lessons on, on online, it's like they've never had that before. 
So mm. the intensity of it and the quality of it was probably very different to when it, if it was in person, you know? Yeah. And I think that probably affected people differently. And I think the main age group as well is those that had exams. Like if we look at the GCSE group and the A-level exam group and those that were going to uni that were just a bit unsure as well, where um, they were going through interview processes or they were going through um, application things. It's just like there was just so much going on and everything kind of got delayed. And the grade system, the way that they um, do yeah. the final grading. Yeah, and I think if you were always that person who... That played in... Yeah, or who didn't do very well in, in, in mock like exams, exams and that was your predicted grade and then that was sort of the end. You didn't actually get um, a chance to be like, Imagine anything. like you just like wasn't serious that day. That mm. you took your mock exams and now that's the great dad that's going forward now. Yeah. Or maybe you were serious, but you, you've always, you could have, you know, improved your grade just exactly. by more, more, more practice. Yeah. Imagine if like you were actually working hard to get that uh-huh. good final grade and then now they're just telling you, no, yeah. we're going to take your mock yeah that's crazy it is crazy it really is crazy and you know everybody got affected by this very differently and i think as well when it when this first started in march i remember um talking to someone and they said to me oh yeah probably when you know when the sun comes out the the covid um the actual virus is gonna um Mm. sort of you know decrease or it's gonna die down for a little bit and I was really believing that because I thought, well, okay, the sun's going to be out. Oh, There's yeah. more sunlight. So the COVID might not actually, the, the virus might not actually survive, you know, but. Because it got really hot in England. Yeah, it got really, really during hot. the, during the actual um COVID pandemic, during the actual peak period. Peak, of yeah, it, it was hot. It was really hot. It was really, it was hot. really hot. And I thought, have we gone into summer? What's, what's going on? Like, oh, everyone, the African countries are doing well because they've got more sun, it's hotter there. Yeah. And yeah. Go, oh, okay. That's good for us, but here we are. Yeah. Yeah, here we are. <laughs> here we are really. But um yeah, that's been a very very good conversation and um mm. you know, I think we need to speak about these things a lot more because you know, people do get affected by things and obviously there's anxiety, there's um a lot of um situations Depression. that continue to go on. But I think the more we continue to support each other and reassure each other that you know what this is affecting everybody, yeah, but we're th- here for you. Yeah, and I think another thing is um, the things that are affecting you, like finances, jobs, blah, 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 and everything, it actually has a big toll on your mental health. Yeah. And I feel like with um, quite a lot of stigma behind the mental health, I think like people just think they can just carry on moving, mm, whereas yeah. you can actually seek for help. Mm, I think to, like, um, get you by sometimes. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And I think you know, um, depending on where you come from as well, and depending on mm. which gender you are, I think sometimes true. coming out and saying I'm actually struggling, it's it's very difficult. I think a lot of men Males, were put yeah. in the in the news where they're sort of just um, you know, they're struggling, they're struggling with mental illness, yeah. but then they don't get the support that they need in time. Exactly. By the time we realize, well they're dead now so yes, so what now you know and it's 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 we need to start talking about these things a lot yeah, more and we true. need to make this more public and just remove the stigmatization and just allow everybody to feel free f- to feel um to feel free to approach people with when exactly. they're unwell to feel free to just know that you know what you I can think, speak to anyone about yeah i think i think it's also realizing that what you feel, what you're feeling is probably not normal. Because mm, mm. sometimes you just think, okay, I'm just feeling sad today. 
but yeah. there's actually more to it. Yeah. So I think finding someone to speak to is always a good start. Mm, 100%. For certain thing. For like, when it comes to mental health, just speaking to someone, even if it's your friend, your family, yeah. you actually get a lot of release from it. Than yeah, exactly. It and just thinking you're sad that day or you're not feeling up to it. Yeah. And I think that's the thing. There's, that's also a thing that kind of leads the stigmatization mm. of COVID. People look at, I mean, of, of, of mental illness. People look at... um mental illness and they think it always has to be severe exactly for me to think i'm very unwell but sometimes it's even the mild because it starts mild you you know you You start somewhere yeah you start somewhere somewhere. it goes mild to medium to moderate or severe etc but you definitely you know it it affects different sides of the scale there's the very severe and then there's the mild Mm -hmm. but i think a lot of us think until I get to severe, I'm okay. You're okay. You know, but I think that's the that's the first um, step. St- you know, that's the first step. That's where we need to really be addressing situations, looking at things, seeing seeking the support, or looking at what's there to to help us. Because you know, it it, it starts off mild, but yeah, and you know, another thing is like if you get it treated, the sooner the better. Because mm. once you're severe, it's, it's harder to come back from it. Mm. That's another thing people need to realize as well. Yeah, it so is. as soon as you realize it, it's always nice to get help wherever mm. you can. Like there's so many places where you can get help. Like online, there are mm-hmm. um, telephone numbers that you can call. Even like I said, speaking to your friends and family is always yeah. a good start. And your GPs, if there's GPs, you know and yeah. different psychiatrists. I know like um, it's some. You know, it's it's one of those things where you kind of need to know where you're going and to get more education on mm-hmm. it. But psychology support, um... even just ask questions. Sometimes it's like you might not know why you're feeling a certain way. Yeah, there is. Trust me, there's always someone there to listen. Mm-hmm. So it's just a matter of like being able to speak, being able to speak to somebody. Yeah, and yeah. there's always gonna be someone there yeah. to listen. Hundred percent. Just ask. Yeah, asking and just, you know, feel free to just, you know, pose the question and say, you know what, I've recently been feeling like this or whatever it is, but just being able to communicate, you know, and I really value communication as a daily thing. I think that really goes a long way. Yep, and I always say as well, like, it's more likely that that person you're probably sharing your problems with are probably going through the same thing. Mm -hmm. Therefore, it's like you then help each other out or move together or you seek help together. Yeah. Or they might not be going through the same thing with you then. Then maybe they have before. Yeah. Or, um, they, or they can pinpoint you and direct you to the right people where you can get the support. Exactly. You know, so it is, it's one of those situations where everybody just needs to remain strong, um, to continue holding on and to seek the support that we need. Um, so yeah, hopefully, Pray, guys. Hopefully, this coronavirus is yeah, gonna pass. It like, will. It will pass. I it believe will pass. it will pass and at some point. I definitely. Well, the sooner the better. Hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. But we'll get like hopefully our lives will get back to normal, mm-hmm. and we're just kind of living our lives. Yeah. Yeah. But this has been a very good conversation, and I yeah. think for our first episode, um, you know, this has been a very good conversation that you know we we. We need to link COVID to, um, you know, the effects of mental mm-hmm. illness as well. And just, you know, see and yeah, discuss more about it. Because I think it's kind of been overlooked, really. We've looked at Very much. other things. But I think sometimes your mental illness can be overlooked, you know. We, we all think we're okay, you know. 
we all think we're fine until yeah. it gets bad it gets really bad. Gets bad so um yeah definitely um if you guys have um any questions or anything like that we do have an instagram page which is also called the life so um just um look us up on instagram and, and send message. us messages or email us or anything like that and follow us follow us please <laughs> yeah this is just the beginning but we believe we're going somewhere yeah and we're here to support everybody so thank you guys for thank listening you guys. look after yourselves and take care